Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verses 1 through 11 this morning. I'm not going to read it to begin with. I'm going to um, just jump right in and we're going to pray and we're going to work our way through it um, throughout our time together this morning. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for allowing us to gather together yet again this Sunday morning. Thank you for allowing us to sing your praises, to recount your greatness, but for you are a great God. You're a mighty God, all-powerful God. Your greatness, as your word tells us, is unsearchable. We spend the rest of our lives and the rest of eternity just exploring all the facets and nuances of just how great you are. And that greatness applies to every characteristic about you. Your love is great. Lord, you sent your son Jesus to save us. Die on a cross to pay the full penalty for our sins. Free us. Free us from sin. To make us alive so that, Lord, we might honor and glorify you. That we might live out our lives in the ways in which you've created us to live them. That we might enjoy this life. Lord, as frustrating as life under the sun can be at times, Lord, you call for us to enjoy it, and you enable us to enjoy it, and you give us your spirit and the ability to receive this joy. And so, Lord, as we finish out our time here this morning, would you enable us to enjoy your word together, that we might learn from your word, that we might grow in understanding what foolishness is, that we might walk in wisdom. And so, Lord, accomplish your good purposes, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27, Jesus shares a story about two men who build their houses. One builds it on a rock and the other builds it on sand. Here's what he said. This is starting in verse 24. He said, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell. And great was the fall of it. And so both of these men built houses. The wise man built his house on the rock. The foolish man built his house on the sand. Both of these men's houses experienced the same storm. The rains fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat against both of their houses. The wise man's house did not fall. It weathered the storm. 
The foolish man's house did not fare so well. The storm ended up destroying the foolish man's house. The question for us this morning, as we just look at that little section of Scripture, is whose house do you want to have? If, if you had to pick between the wise man or the foolish man, which, which one do you want to be here this morning? Or if you think about it right now and you just look at your own life and you just think, okay, what am I building my life actually on today? See, both of these people built houses. One was on a rock, one was on sand, and they had completely different outcomes as they experienced pretty much the same storm. I think it's safe to assume that all of us would like to be the wise man here, right? All of us would like to build our houses on the rock and not on the sand. According to Jesus, fools are people who hear his words and do not do them. Instead of trusting in Jesus and following Jesus, fools ignore Jesus. And like the foolish man who built his house on the, on the sand, fools will experience great loss and great destruction. But wise people, wise people trust in Jesus. Wise people look to Jesus. Wise people seek to pick up a cross and follow Jesus through obedience to Jesus. They, according to Jesus, they build their lives on the rock. And this rock is Jesus. And we're going to see in our text this morning, or what we're going to see in our text this morning is, is that there really are two ways to live. Kind of like what, what Jesus was getting at there in that story of those two men. You can, you can go this way or you can go that way. You can build your life on the rock or you can build your life on the sand. Or we might say what we're going to see in this section of Scripture this morning is, is you can be a fool or you could be wise. Both are living in this world. Both will experience pretty much the same thing in this life. We've seen that throughout this book already. But both will have different outcomes. See, Solomon has been working really, really hard throughout this book to persuade us. Helping us to understand we live in a fallen world. This world is broken in many ways as we look at it in the sense of life under the sun. It's crooked in many ways, and this crookedness cannot be straightened out because it was never meant to be straightened out. And he was also teaching us that, that some things in this life, it just doesn't add up. You, you want two plus two to equal four, but the reality is when we look out at life, sometimes two plus two does not equal four. Sometimes things just, they don't balance out. They just don't make sense. And, and he just says, that's what life under the sun is like. And so he hasn't been just telling us that so that we would just know these things. He's been trying to teach us something. He's trying to help us by sharing his wisdom with us so that we might actually fear God and seek to obey the Lord as we live out our lives in this world. And in, in many ways, you might say, he's been trying to persuade us, at least up to this point, to choose wisdom, to be wise, or in the sense of what Jesus was teaching, to build your life on the rock. 
in chapter 9, verses 11 through 17, he told us this. This was the section right before this, where he just said, wisdom is better than might. And there he was sort of just comparing, like, the strong don't always win the battle. The, the fastest people don't always win the race. It's, it's wisdom. Wisdom is better than might. If you had to pick between all of those things, he was just trying to persuade us and saying, choose wisdom. And to really help us choose wisdom, he, he also shared a story in that same section where there was this little sort of insignificant city that was besieged or attacked by some great king with a great army, but inside this little city with very few men able to actually defend this city was a poor wise man. And so if you're just looking at this scenario on paper, you would say this city was doomed. But what we understand as we talked about this last week, and you can go ahead and just look at this, is in reality, wisdom was better than might. Because this poor, little, insignificant, wise man delivered this insignificant little city from a great king and a great army. And so he's just illustrating this truth or this wisdom for us is if you have to pick something, pick wisdom. Wisdom is better than might. And so what he's going to do as we look at the section this morning is he's building off of that. He's helping us to understand the value of wisdom, the value of living out our lives in this world for the glory of God by seeking to be wise. Being wise is far better than being a fool. Now, to help us understand this, we're going to take a look at three points this morning from our text. In our first point, we're going to look at the difference between wisdom and folly, according to Solomon. Now, you'll notice if you're taking a look at chapter 10, verses 1 through 11, if you were just to kind of skim through this, we're in this section where Solomon is just sort of what seems like giving us just some random thoughts at times. Just there's something I saw here. Here's another thing I saw. And it just sort of fits together with just maybe a variety of Proverbs, maybe a case study here, a short story there, and, and, and some comparisons. And it can seem sort of disorganized just a bit, but, but if you look at it, it really does sort of all fit together. And it helps us really think about this one question. Am I pursuing wisdom or am I pursuing folly? It's really important that we know the difference between wisdom and folly because pursuing wisdom is a little different than just choosing between right and wrong in the sense of black and white. See, we all know that stealing is wrong. That's a pretty black and white issue. We all know that cheating is also wrong. That, too, is a black and white issue. And I think in some ways these black and white issues can be easy. We just know we should do this and we we shouldn't do this. You you should tell the truth and and you shouldn't lie. And the question just comes down, did, did you choose right or wrong? Did you lie or did you not lie? And so those, those are black and white issues. But when it comes to wisdom, and we're talking about degrees sometimes and foolishness, sometimes the decisions are a little more gray because we're not always necessarily choosing between what is right and wrong, but what is good and maybe what is better sometimes or, or what actually fits 
the occasion for this specific circumstance at this moment. And so it's a lot like parenting your kids. And so if you have kids and they're older or a little bit older than just toddler age, what what you come to understand is that they're all just a little bit different, aren't they? And so they all have a, a certain personality and certain giftings, and, and some are really compliant in certain areas, and, and some aren't. Some just, they like to learn because you tell them, and then there's those other ones, which is the majority of them, that like to learn because they, they want to try it themselves. And so they have to figure out that things just don't work because they have to try it that way, and, and they want to live life the hard way. And so as a parent, you, you have to sometimes use a lot of wisdom, or you're crying out to God and saying, okay, God, give me wisdom to deal with this child. Does that make sense? The same rules don't always get to the same heart in every kid. And so you're, you're trying to work through, does this deserve a significant punishment where I just take everything away from them? Or does this situation require that I sit down and actually give them a hug and thank them for the humility that I see being expressed, even though something negative happened, but but they need somebody to come alongside them at the moment and they need to be talked to and they need to be helped. And, and it's just different. It, it, there's a need for wisdom there. And so wisdom is not always black and white. It, it takes some discernment. It takes, I would say in many ways, a gift from God to figure out how to, in some ways, respond appropriately in a particular situation. And sometimes it does come across as black and white. But a fool, according to Scripture, is someone who does not fear God. Psalm 14, verse 1 says this, The fools, or the fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There is none who does good. A fool may very well be a wicked person, but not always. A wicked person, and this again, this is sort of nuanced here. A wicked person intentionally is looking to do evil, is intentionally looking to sin, is intentionally not seeking to glorify God in any way. While a fool seems to sometimes maybe fall into their wickedness. And again, remember, I'm I'm sort of nuancing some of this because a fool can also be a wicked person, but... Not all foolishness is intentionally meant to be wicked. It's, it's just sort of rooted in this lack of any fear of God. And so all of us as believers sometimes are foolish people. As we seek to honor God in all things, as we've been redeemed by the blood of Christ, we, we desire to honor God. But if we're honest, not every moment of our lives is lived out seeking to fear God. We actually, in many ways, sometimes disobey the Lord and don't do what he asks us to do. And so we lack the fear of God and we enter into foolishness. We, we get away from being wise and we just, we're fools sometimes. But by the grace of God, we're able to sort of shift and get back on that path of seeking to honor the Lord. And so Solomon has already told us that a fool, this is found earlier in his book, A fool is a lazy person, chapter 4, verse 5. A fool is somebody who's ill-tempered. A fool is morally blind. 
a fool refuses to listen to advice. In verse 1, Solomon tells us this, chapter 10, verse 1. He says, dead flies make the perfumer's ointment give off a stench. So a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. This is what I love. I love when he gets into these little sort of proverbs and, and just these little things that are just helping us to understand the dangers of foolishness. Or we might say the foolishness of fools. Or their foolishness. And so he's just saying, listen, dead flies ruin perfume. And if you want to think about it today, I was, I was just kind of thinking about this. would be like, okay, if, if you like perfume and clone, put that on. And then go find some rotten fish guts. Rub it all over your hands and put it on your neck. And walk into a room and see what happens. That's kind of what he's helping us to understand here. He's just saying a little bit of foolishness mixed in with a whole bunch of wisdom ruins it. It destroys it. It it takes away that sweet smell. Makes it unbearable. And we all enter into this time. This is I have a I have a budget meeting update for you. I shared one last week, okay? And it just happens. We just do this every week. And just so you know, when I talk about budget meetings, I'm not just talking about like, we just do this. Budget meeting is, yes, we sit down and we talk about our budget, but it's an intentional time where we get to spend together to talk about life. And we need this at our season of life. And we call it a budget meeting because that's what we're primarily there for. But we spend a lot of time talking about a lot of things, having a great time. But so we had a budget meeting. Another one, not on Valentine's Day, just maybe a week later. And I, we had this planned out Tuesday, had the day free. And we're just thinking, let's do something together. And so we made plans and we walked, went on a long walk. We got lunch together. And then we somehow ended up at Starbucks. And as we were there, she had this idea. She said, hey, we're here. Let's just talk about our budget. It was a day early. Okay. It's like, yeah, great idea. I don't have to come back here tomorrow and do this. And so we sat down and, do, and guess what happened? It went sideways. Not all of them go sideways. The last two have kind of gone sideways for a moment. This one went sideways. And do you know why it went sideways? We had this great day. You might say it was like one of those great, sweet-smelling, perfume days going. And then all of a sudden, these dead flies landed on our coffee. Serious. And the dead flies were my attitude. The dead flies were my foolishness, where the Lord says, Consider the interest of others more important than your own. What happened is these dead flies showed up because I decided to consider my own interest more important than, than hers. And then when we started to communicate, and it's not about the money, just so you know, our budget things, that's not what makes it go sideways. What makes it go sideways is, is we just speak different languages sometimes. We're one of those couples where when we talk about things, we come at them from different angles, different positions. And then when we communicate, we don't always communicate in such a way that both of us hear what actually the other person is saying. And it's not always bad. It's just this is why we have these meetings. We're just learning after 25 years. Okay, let's figure this out more so we might enjoy one another. But it went sideways because I was foolish. Instead of fearing God and seeking to obey God, I know what his word says. 
I went this way. Instead of seeking to outdo her in showing honor, I fought for what I wanted. And what that looked like, because we're at Starbucks, this is intentional. People are around us, so we have a little bit of some accountability, okay? It, what it looked like is tone. What it looked like is maybe a, a harsh question. What it looked like was arguing. Not loud, but loud enough for a Starbucks place, okay? That's just foolishness. That's what foolishness looks like. It, it shows up, and it takes a great day, and it turns it sour. And just so you know, we work through all of this stuff, okay? And we love working through this stuff. That's what Solomon says. That's what foolishness does. I'm sure you experience this. In verse 2, Solomon writes the following. He says, a wise man's heart inclines him to the right, but a fool's heart to the left. Now, in the Bible, if you were to pay attention to all the times it references the right or the right hand, you'll understand that the right or the right hand is the place of blessing. That makes sense. Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father. At judgment, the sheep are going to go to the right and the goats are going to go to the left. Now, just so you know, you, you want to go to the right at that moment. You don't want to go to the left. So the Bible communicates the right as, as the good side. Blessings were given by the laying, hand, laying on of the right hand and then the blessing someone. And so what Solomon is teaching us here is, is that when we look at our hearts, and if our hearts are being ruled by wisdom, then it's going to direct us to the right, okay? But if our hearts are being ruled by foolishness, foolishness is going to take us to the left. So it's not going to lead us in the direction of trusting the Lord. It's not going to lead us in the direction of fearing God. It's not going to lead us in the direction of picking up a cross, denying ourselves, and following Jesus. Foolishness guides us away from those things. Where the wise heart, he just says, no, if you, if you look at the wise heart, it, it, it goes to the right. The wise heart, it's, it's just, it bends towards trusting Jesus. It, it bends towards repentance and faith. It might go left once in a while, but, but if it's being ruled by wisdom, it, it eventually finds itself back here because that's where it goes. So as Sarah and I argued in Starbucks, what you would have seen is, is, is me going left. Me not speaking words that give grace. Me not speaking words that fit the occasion. Me not being patient. Me not considering her interest better than my own. That's where my foolish heart was leading me as we were in a conflict. But by the grace of God, wisdom ruled out and we reconciled. And you can ask her if you don't believe me, just ask her. Okay, so the question is this. If you look at your life, what direction are you going? Are, are, you, are you growing? Are you bending towards following Jesus? Or do you find yourself going further and further away from him? Hearts that are ruled by foolishness go away. Hearts that are ruled by wisdom, by a love for God, a love for Christ, go towards the right, Solomon teaches us here. In verse 3, Solomon says, even when the fool walks on the road, he lacks sense. And he says to everyone that he is a fool. This is where I, I love the Bible because it really lets us in on these secrets. And, and here's just a secret that I think we all know. 
When a fool walks on the road, he doesn't know it, but everybody else does. You, you can't hide your foolishness. Because why? Foolishness leads you what direction? To the left, it leads you away. Philip Reichen in his commentary says the following. He says, he, talking about the fool, has such an obvious lack of spiritual good sense that his folly is evident to everyone. Fools have a way of refusing to listen to good advice or of saying the wrong thing at the wrong time or of doing something else that shouts, look at me, I'm a fool. As it says in the book of Proverbs, a fool flaunts his folly. What what did that kind of looks like? It just kind of looks like that little toddler in the grocery store when mom says, hey, you can't have that. You need to put that away. What what typically happens sometimes in those moments? They start screaming. They they cause this big scene. And in some ways, that's what Solomon is saying. This is what fools look like. They can't see it. But because they're moving left and they keep moving left, in, in many ways, they look like that toddler. They don't see it, but everybody else sees it. Everybody else can see you're, you're going left. Everybody else can see you're kicking and screaming. If you were in Starbucks, I'm sure if you were sitting next to us, you'd probably say, oh, they look like they're, they're having a little conflict right now. We've all been there. You know what that looks like. You, what, you look like a fool because you're not fitting in in that moment because fitting in looks like being wise. It looks like looking to Jesus. It looks like picking up a cross and following him and being governed by what God has to say in his word. And that typically looks like socially acceptable in most contexts. But when you're out of control and you decide to stop following God and stop listening to his word, it looks a lot like chaos and confusion and conflict. That's what Solomon says. And he's trying to teach us here, don't be a fool. Don't be a fool. Do not ignore God. Do not ignore his word. Do not ignore his ways. Do not be ruled by anything other than Jesus Christ and a love for him. Pick up your cross and follow him. Because if you don't, you're going to be going to the left. And you're going to be walking to the left. And everybody around you will know it except for you. Because fools look like something. And I would say they look like toddlers yelling and screaming in the grocery store. And we all do it. And second point, we learn some advice for dealing with foolish people. So this section here, he kind of gets practical and helping us live out our lives in a fallen world where, where he's not primarily talking to us at this moment about being a fool or being wise. He's just saying, hey, you, you live in a world with fools, and, and here's a wise way to respond to fools. And so we all do live with fools. Some of us have fools that live in our homes and their foolishness creates a lot of chaos and conflict. Some of us have jobs where we work with fools and there's chaos and conflict there. Sometimes we have governing authorities that are fools and we have to learn how to live out our lives sort of under their leadership. And that's kind of what Solomon has in mind here. And so the reality is we encounter fools on a daily basis. Verses 4 through 7, he gives us some instruction. He says, if the anger of the ruler rises against you, do not leave your place. For calmness will lay great offenses to rest. There is an evil that I've seen under the sun, as it were an heir proceeding from the ruler. 
Folly is set in many high places, and the rich sit in a low place. I have seen slaves on horses and princes walking on the ground like say, like slaves. So Solomon, he's, he's seen many things in his life, many things. He's recorded them for us. And one of these evil things that he has seen is foolish rulers seeking to lead people. Have you ever seen that? Strange. Ricardo's been trying to educate this. And I, I share little tidbits with you, but he's been trying to teach me this lesson for a long time. I think I, I'm getting a little bit further because I'll say, Ricardo, what's the problem? And he says, this is what you get when you have fools who lead. You're not always talking about one specific person, but, but when we allow fools to lead, and this is what Solomon is teaching us here, you get foolishness. And everybody sees it because they're all walking left. They're not heading right. They have no desire to fear God. They have no desire to honor God. So when they speak, what do you get? You get more and more foolishness. Again, sometimes it feels like and it seems like a toddler kicking and screaming in the grocery store because they couldn't get a pack of gum. And Solomon's saying, listen, I saw that. So he saw it a long time ago. We see it, and I'm going to bet we're going to see it until we die and get to go to heaven. So it's the reality of the world we live in. Philip Ryken again says the following. He says, when the wrong people get into power, everything gets turned upside down. And that's what Solomon's been trying to tell us. He says, I've seen slaves on horses and princes walking on the ground like slaves. He's just saying, when you have fools in leadership it all gets turned upside down. It just does. Slaves on horses, princes walking on the ground. Just, they're, not, they're not in the right places. Things just don't fit the way they're supposed to because fools put them there. Fools make those policies. Fools keep those policies in place and they keep moving them forward as if it's good for everybody. And it just ends up hurting people. We might say it looks like upholding some laws and ignoring others. Or prosecuting certain people while allowing others to go free. It looks like a culture that celebrates immorality and condemns those who think differently. So when folly is leading, the culture of a country or a state, a business or a church, or a family, what you will see is life sort of turned upside down. Instead of seeking to honor God and seeking to walk in His ways, there's just going to be a culture of foolishness. And we all experience this. We all bump up into this. And so the question for us is, how do we respond to this? Not just government. Think about your own homes. Think about your workplaces. Well, verse 4, he says, If the anger of the ruler rises against you, do not leave your place. For calmness will lay great offenses to rest. Okay, now this is this is just wisdom he's being offered. Sometimes it's it's okay to escape foolishness. Just get out of there because it's gonna hurt somebody in some way. But but he's he's sharing something here where he's just saying, listen, if you have an angry fool in leadership, he just says, stay put. Or we might say, don't grow weary in doing good. Trust that God has placed you there. And don't return his foolishness with more foolishness. 
Instead, trust that God has placed you there. Keep your heart focused on Christ and keep going to the right. For, he says, calmness will lay great offenses to rest. Running away is not the issue. Entering into their foolishness is not the answer. But we see this. We see this a lot. And I think in some ways, in in practical ways, what this this might look like as we encounter this is, is not entering into that same foolish debate all the time. And so the media does it. The media picks up on foolish politicians saying foolish things, and they promote it. And, and where it works down to us, because not many of us are in media, we're not, many of us are on the news every night and stuff, it works down into our world where we start to get on our social media platforms, and we just sort of cut and paste what they're saying. And what that does is it ends up creating more and more chaos and conflict, but we think if we just share this sort of brief snippet or this snippet of a video that we're somehow going to change the world because our friends who sit on the other side of the church or maybe go to a a different place, they might see it and and when they see it, they're just going to be radically changed and enlightened and be like, oh, I completely didn't know that. Instead, we all know what happens. You post that. you, You carry on that thing. What it ends up doing is it creates a greater divide. And so the wisdom, again, I'm not saying we can't speak up. Somebody's got to have courage to tell the truth. But the overall wisdom principle, what he's getting at here is stay put, stay calm, and just be wise. And by wise, I mean there really are scriptures that speak to this. And I'm just going to pull up Ephesians 4.29 again. So what do we do when we have a fool who's boasting and being angry and saying all these things? Well, we think about Ephesians 4.29. And so we let no what? Corrupting talk come out of our mouths, but only such as is good, fits the occasion, gives grace to those who hear, that builds up. So what wisdom looks like, if you're going to post, Does this fit the occasion? Does this give grace to those who hear? Well, who's going to hear? I don't know. Just look at your friend list. Will this build them up? Will this create greater unity in the body or not? And again, I'm not saying you can't post. Don't hear me say that. Somebody's got to have courage to actually tell the truth. But it's got to be done wisely. We still submit to Jesus and we still submit to God's word and wisdom looks like following it and obeying it. In our third and final point, here's what we learn about fools and we learn about foolishness is that it will ultimately be destroyed and it typically will destroy itself. Foolishness is not sustainable. For Solomon shares the following, verses 8 and 9, he says, He who digs a pit will fall into it, and a serpent will bite him who breaks through a wall. He who quarries stones is hurt by them, and he who splits logs is endangered by them. Now, that's true of anybody, right? Anybody who digs a pit, you have the danger. It might fall on you if you're going to punch through a wall. Apparently, snakes are behind walls a lot. So you got to be careful if you're going to punch through that wall. It might be a snake. I know some of you have been doing some home repairs. Be careful. Snakes back there. Anyways, but we know he's kind of talking about fools because in this verse 10, he says, if the iron is blunt and one does not sharpen the edge, 
he must use more strength, but wisdom helps one to succeed. And so he's getting at this point of like, foolish people don't really think a lot. They don't think through what they're saying. They, they, don't, they don't grasp the concept of there might be a snake behind this wall. They're, they're not thinking, okay, if I dig this pit, I should secure the walls like OSHA and whoever else. They've never gone through that course, you know, to protect themselves. And so they just do it. And if they're going to cut down a tree and they got their chainsaw, they don't care if the, if the chain is dull. Has anybody ever tried to cut down a tree with a dull chainsaw? Anybody? You guys, I'm sure you know what a dull knife is like when you're trying to cut through bread or a stick. It's just, it's painful. It takes a very long time. And, and what he's just trying to say there, it's, it, it's wise to just do a little bit of preparation. It's wise to think before you do something. It's wise to just pause and go sharpen your chainsaw. Because you will spend far less time if you have a sharp chainsaw than you would if it was dull. Fools will just hammer away with a dull blade. Fools will just be so committed to their own way. As Dave Harvey would say, it just makes them stupid. Because you sit and you watch them just hammer with that, that iron that is just blunt and they're just... Just keep going away all day. I'm going to go after this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it my way because it's the right way. And what Solomon is saying is ultimately they end up destroying themselves. Ultimately, fools in their folly end up hurting themselves. And in verse 11, he says this, If the serpent bites before it is charmed, there is no advantage to the charmer. Again, what he's pointing out here is, is fools, in this case, the foolish charmer, doesn't spend the time charming the snake, instead goes after the snake, seeks to handle the snake, and gets bit by the snake, and eventually dies. He's illustrating this, this whole point for us. It is far better to be wise than it is to be a fool. And where this applies to us is this. It's far better to trust in the Lord than it is to trust in anyone or anything else. It's far better to look to Jesus, to trust him as your Lord and Savior, having paid the full penalty for all of your sins, and to pick up your cross and to keep your eyes on him and follow him in this world. When we're pursuing wisdom, we start there. Wisdom is found in Jesus. And when we look at life and we think about life and we think about budget meetings at Starbucks or whatever meeting you have with your spouse or whatever discipline issue you're thinking about with your kids or whatever future you're trying to discern, it always starts with the Lord. And if you start somewhere else, Solomon would say, you're already going left. If you're trying to find purpose and meaning apart from Christ and apart from God and apart from His Word, you're going to miss it. And you will miss it every single time. Because fools ignore God. Fools do not fear God. Fools do not seek to obey God. And fools always go left. And fools dig pits that fall on them. And they mess with snakes that they haven't charmed. And they use blades that haven't been sharpened. They waste time. 
That's what fools do. And Solomon is pleading, don't be a fool. Trust in Jesus. Because when you trust in him, it doesn't mean it's not going to be hard. But when you trust him, you will go right. When you trust him and you find yourself in a conflict at Starbucks in a budget meeting, he will show you the way out. It's written on every single page. It's his word. And he's outlined it for us. He said, this is your purpose. This is my plan for you. Okay, what's your plan when it goes astray? How should I be speaking to my... Ephesians 4.29 is right there. What does it look for like for me to love my wife at a budget meeting? It looks like me laying down my life, coming into those meetings, willing to serve and not be served. It looks like us outdoing one another and showing honor. It looks like us confessing and asking forgiveness and, and rejoicing in that forgiveness and, re, and rejoicing in this relationship we have. So as Solomon would say to us, do not be a fool, but be wise. And wisdom starts by trusting in Jesus, picking up your cross and following him. So let us do that, church. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word And I just ask, Lord, you would pour out your spirit upon us. Lord, you would make us wise. Lord, we lack wisdom, but you tell us to ask you for it. And so, Lord, would you give us all wisdom? Would you bless us with great wisdom, with a deep passion to know you, God, to love Jesus and to follow Jesus? Would you you enable us, Lord, in the midst of a chaotic world to remain calm, to remain calm and follow Jesus? Would you give us courage to say what needs to be said in a wise way? And Lord, would you bless us as a church with great peace and great unity as we pursue wisdom together? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for being here. Uh, One reminder. So we are going to pray uh, for anybody who is dealing with some long-time sickness or a trial if you would like prayer all you gotta do is meet over there at l108 so i think we're in that right room one of those doors will be open phil will be there um so if you would like prayer all you gotta do is meet over there and with that uh may the lord bless you and may you have a great sunday